Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Please join me in prayer. Your loving Heavenly Father, we have had an opportunity thus far to worship you through singing praises to you, and you are worthy of our praise. Now we have an opportunity to worship you through submission to your word, through the preaching of your word, through the teaching of your word. I pray today that we will find a message of hope and comfort, challenge. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through me. I pray that we will all be not only hearers of the word, but doers of the word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There is a story about a granddad that got caught in traffic and he was late for little Johnny's baseball game. So he shows up at the playground and he sees Johnny out in left field. He says, hey, Johnny, it's granddad. I'm here. I hope the game's going great. What's the score? Johnny says, hey, granddad, we're losing 18 to nothing. It's going great. (laughs) Somewhat confused. Granddad says, you're losing 18 to nothing. Aren't you discouraged? Johnny says, Granddad, why would I be discouraged? We haven't even come up to bat yet. (laughs) See, we need to be like little Johnny. And instead of being discouraged and overwhelmed by our circumstances, we need to have a prevailing optimism. You know, I have a bad habit. Watch the news. And do you know I heard this week that gas prices were rising? And so is meat and wheat and fertilizer and lumber and like inflation is at a 40-year high and crime is up and Russia has invaded Ukraine and Iran is launching missiles like everywhere and some experts say we're on the verge of World War III. Aren't you glad you came to church today, right? I mean, there's a lot of reasons in life to, to lose heart, but it's not only on the news. It's in our own individual lives. I was talking to a patient caregiver this week and she said, can you pray for my son? I said, sure, what's going on? She said, I, I don't understand it. She said, he loves being at home. He loves going to church, but he hates going to school. But it turns out the reason he hated going to school was because he was being bullied and the administration was doing nothing about it. Could you imagine being that little boy facing being taunted every day going to school. Then there are middle schoolers, right? I mean, what an awkward age it is. You know, you're not an elementary uh, student anymore. You're you're, you're not a a young adult. You're just kind of in the middle, and there's no drama like middle school drama, right? And then there's like high school students. Now, you ask a high school student, what do you do today? What are they going to tell you? Nothing. But the truth of the matter is, is that they're thinking a whole lot. Do I fit in? Am I going to get a date to the prom? Am I going to get into the college that I want to get into? 
Or maybe I know mom and dad have saved up years for college, but how do I tell them I want to be a welder? Then there are college students, right? You guys have reasons to lose heart. Maybe you're away from home for the first time. Now, it better not be at CSU, but there are a lot of college students. They have professors telling them what their parents and their church told them is wrong. Uh, all, a lot of times, all their friends are acting a fool, and then you graduate, and maybe you don't have a good job, and you have lots of student debt. That can be rough. Maybe you're a young adult, and you, you have a job, but you hate your job. Or maybe you're a young adult, you love your job, you work hard at your job, you're hoping for promotion, and you get overlooked. Middle-aged folks, it's easy to lose heart as well. Maybe you have a failed marriage under your belt, or maybe the marriage you have is, 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 is stale and uh, strained, and you know those cute little kids that you, you know, used to have, they've grown up, and now they're little monsters, and they disrespect you all the time, and you kind of wonder, where did the years go by? And there's old folks, man. It is hard growing old. I hang out with a lot of old people, right? You can't see anymore. You can't hear. It's hard to move. Every joint in your body aches. You reach over in the morning, over to the nightstand and grab your teeth. And, uh, you know, then the church staff taunts you with QR codes to sign up for events in the bulletin. I mean, geez, it's tough, right? There's some of you that are facing illness out there. You've never even dealt with illness before, or if you did go to the doctor, you know, you get an antibiotic and it gets better. But now your illness has turned into a chronic illness. And for some, it may be a terminal illness. Others of you will be going home today to an empty house. The same house that you shared with your spouse of many, many years. That can be discouraging. That could cause you to lose heart. Now, if your physical heart was hurting, you might go to a cardiologist, right? And the cardiologist might do a heart cath or perhaps a stent, may do a heart bypass, or maybe just simply suggest some heart-healthy activities like a good diet and exercise. Well, the Apostle Paul for us today is going to be inspired by God to play the role of a spiritual cardiologist, And he's going to point us to Jesus and share with us reasons that Christ gives us not to lose heart. I invite you to open up your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We'll be in Ephesians chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 13. If you don't have a Bible, there are some Bibles in the chairs in front of you. We invite you to take one, look at it. And if you don't have a Bible, feel free to bring it home. Now, at Northwood right now, we're in the midst of a series from Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus. Paul is writing this letter from a Roman prison, as he does some of the other prison epistles. Now, Ephesians is the most relational book in the entire New Testament. And when we get to it, chapters 4 through 6, we'll have a lot of these relationship issues addressed, a lot of these applications. But Paul spends chapters 1 through 3 reminding us all that God has done for us. A few weeks ago, Pastor Tommy kicked off uh, this series. He highlighted verses 1 through 14, all that the triune God has done for us. The Father selected us. The Son redeemed us. The Spirit sealed us. And then in verses 15 to the end of chapter 1, we were reminded that Paul prayed for the Ephesian believers that they would get it at a heart level. And then we went to chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. We were reminded that we were spiritually dead. 
under the wrath of God. But God made us spiritually alive because of his great love and mercy. We were saved by grace, seated with Christ in the heavenly places, and now we are his workmanship. And then last week, Pastor Logan reminded us that though we were far away from God, without the covenants of God, without the promises of God, the Gentiles have been brought near because of the blood of Christ. Not only brought near to Christ, but brought near to the Jews and now one people, the church, and now God's working through the church. Now in this passage, Ephesians 3, 1 to 13, Paul will remind us that Christ gives us reasons not to lose heart. If you are able to do so, I invite you to stand up as we honor the reading of God's word. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you, how the mystery was known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that Gentiles, or fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of his power, To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purposes of that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Verse 13, So I ask you to not lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is for your glory. You may be seated. Now, this passage is an interesting one because, first of all, in the Greek, it's a run-on sentence, 189 words. Don't you like run-on sentences? Your English teacher won't, so don't do it. But Paul's inspired by God, so, so, so he can do it, right? Now, this passage is interesting because, in many ways, it's a parenthesis. We'll get to that in a moment. But most of the passage is descriptive. There is one verse, verse 13, that's prescriptive. We're basically told to do one thing in this passage. And that is, verse 13, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. So Paul does this. In verse 1, he's going to start to try and pray for the Ephesian believers for this reason. But he's actually not going to get around to praying for the Ephesian believers till verse 14. Because what he does in verses 2 through 13 is he gets really excited and he chases a rabbit, as it were. It's a, it's, it's a parenthesis. Now, I don't know if you've ever, like, told a story, and then maybe you diverged a little bit from that story and chased a rabbit. 
So a few weeks ago, I said, Linda, the Gamecocks are going to honor Eddie Fogler at halftime. Now, Linda made a huge mistake. She asked, who's Eddie Fogler? (laughs) To which I say, well, he's from New York City. He played point guard at North Carolina against Bobby Crimmins and the Gamecocks, but the Gamecocks won the ACC, but then the Gamecocks left the ACC, but then Eddie Fogler became an assistant coach, then he became head coaches at different places, then he became the head coach at South Carolina, but only after Bobby Crimmins ironically took the job for three days, but then his wife said he couldn't come because she didn't want to leave Atlanta, so then I had to debate the differences between Atlanta and Columbia. I finally got around to Eddie Fogler, his tenure at South Carolina, the SEC championship, how he couldn't get along with Mike McGee, how he teaches mathematics at USC, and he helped hire Frank Martin. And so 45 minutes later, (laughs) Linda says, so he was a basketball coach for the Gamecocks? Why didn't you just tell me that? I said, I did. I just told you so much more. And you know what? That's exactly what the Apostle Paul's going to do. He's going to get around to praying for the Ephesian believers, but before he does... He wants to tell the Ephesians so much more of what Christ has done for them. You can just see the excitement dripping off the page here. And and in this passage, we're going to see three reasons that Christ provides for us not to lose heart. And so here's the first reason. Christ is sovereign over your circumstances. And you guys can go forward here. That's right. Okay. Christ is sovereign over your circumstances. Notice verse 1 and 2 again. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. First of all, verse 2, Paul knows that they've heard of the stewardship. This is like a first-class condition. It's sense. But now I want to pay attention to verse 1. How does Paul describe himself in this passage? He describes himself as a prisoner. But who is he a prisoner of? Of Christ. What's interesting, Paul's now been in prison for about five years now. He got arrested over in Jerusalem. And then he spent some prison time over in uh, Caesarea. And then he appealed to Caesar, and now he's in Rome, and he's been in Rome a couple years as a prisoner. And you know, Paul does not describe himself as a prisoner of the Jews. He does not describe himself as a prisoner of Rome. He describes himself as a prisoner of Christ. Why would he do that? Because he knows this. Christ is sovereign over his circumstances. He is in a Roman prison because God ordained for him to be in a Roman prison. God had a purpose for him being in a Roman prison. And anything that comes into our life, we have to understand this. God either causes, permits, ordains, or wills. In the book of Psalms, we're told, the Lord says, the Lord is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. Look at Ezekiel 36 sometimes. The Lord over and over says, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. God is in absolute control of the universe. It's like R.C. Sproul said a few years ago, there is no maverick molecule. God is in absolute charge. Now, a lot of us aren't necessarily comfortable with this. I'm not going to get into the why of everything because I don't know why. But I do know this, that God is in absolute control of the universe. 
There was a rabbi, Rabbi Kushner, a few years ago that wrote a book, and he made the argument that God would like to prevent evil. He's just not able to do so. The only problem with that is if that's the case, then the circumstances are more powerful than God. My God is more powerful than the circumstances. So just by way of application with all this, first of all, action step. Remember that nothing takes God by surprise. Nothing. Nothing that happens in your life takes God by surprise. I mean, if Bertha breaks up with Bubba, God's not up in heaven. Oh, no, I can't believe Bertha broke up with Bubba. What am I going to do now? Can I possibly get one of the 3.5 billion other women to come across Bubba's path? Can I possibly do it? No, it doesn't take him by surprise. You know, yes, we should vote. Elections are important and all that business. But a lot of us are just like, oh, I can't believe the Democrats are elected. I can't believe the Republicans are elected. Do you think God's honestly up in heaven saying, oh, gee whiz, my eternal decrees are going to be stopped by the Democrats or stopped by the Republicans or stopped by some war in Ukraine? No, God is in charge. And we need to take comfort in that. Second action step, memorize Romans 8, 28. Memorize Romans 8, 28. For God causes all things to work together for good for those that love God, for those that are called according to his purpose. Everything that comes into your life can be worked for God's glory and your ultimate good. Phil Newton is a professor at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was recently preaching at a chapel there. He told a story about his early ministry days when he just knew he was destined for a ministry position at the local First Baptist Church. It was a prestigious church. It was a wealthy church. It was an intellectual church. It was the church for him, except he didn't get the position. He did get a ministry position offer from a church in a fishing village 45 miles away. He didn't even have a car. He had to borrow a car to get there. He didn't know anything about fishing. He didn't have anything in common with the people. Yet God closed the door one place and led him to that fishing village. And he went on to say that in that fishing village, the church and the community experienced a revival. And it was in that fishing village that he would meet the woman that would be his wife of many, many years. And I think a lot of us have stories like that, that we can look back in our lives, that we can think to times when something came into our life, oh no, I can't believe that happened. Why is this door shut? And then as the years go by, we can see exactly what God was up to. I think sometimes though, this side of heaven, maybe we don't know what God's up to. And we may not understand it until eternity. You know, the prophet Habakkuk years ago, he said, hey, hey God, don't you see all this injustice in Jerusalem? God said, yeah, I see it. I'm going to raise up the Babylonians and they're going to level the city. And Habakkuk's like, okay, so God, you do know that the Babylonians are worse than my own people. God says, I know. Oh, and by the way, write it down on a tablet. I'm carrying out my vision. I will be glorified, and uh, the just shall live by faith. 
And by the end of the book, Habakkuk has resolved himself to live by faith, trusting in the heart and the plan of God. Third, ask God for wisdom in processing your trial. Maybe you're going through something. Maybe there's an event in your life that is causing you to be overwhelmingly discouraged and to lose heart. Remember what James, the Lord's half-brother, says? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its result, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to to all generously and without reproach. Ask God for wisdom to know how to process what's going on in your life. Fourth action step in remembering that God is sovereign over your circumstance. Seek to advance the gospel in every circumstance. Whether it's a good circumstance or a bad circumstances, if it's this place or that place, seek to advance the gospel. Paul would say, In the book of Philippians, speaking of the very imprisonment that he's here writing to the Ephesians, he said that his circumstances have led to the advancement of the gospel, that the whole Praetorian guard has heard. Do you realize that Roman guards were chained to him every single day? You think they heard about Jesus? You better believe it. And Caesar's inner circle soon became followers of Christ. Whatever situation you're in, seek to advance the gospel because God has allowed you to be in that situation for a reason. And when things are going pretty rough for you and you can still proclaim the hope of Christ, that really fast forwards your witness. Next, watch God turn pain into pearls. Now, oysters and other creatures, they'll get outside irritants inside of them and it'll cause them problems and they'll want to do something to protect themselves from the irritation. So I don't know the whole scientific process. All I know is that the irritant like becomes hardened after a while, it becomes a pearl and then the pearl gets, you know, expelled, right? And so what was a pain for the oyster becomes a pearl. And there's a lot of things in our life that can be painful but God can use them to become pearls. Pearls for ourselves, pearls for other people, pearls for the advancement of the gospel. So I would encourage you, I would plead with you, whatever circumstance you're in, watch for God to turn pain into pearls. Next reason that Christ gives us not to lose heart is that Christ has revealed the mystery of the church. Now you may say, well, what's the big deal about that? Well, notice Paul's enthusiasm here. First of all, verse 3, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Paul says, there's a mystery, a divine secret, something that was not known to humans in the past, but now it's been revealed. It's been revealed to the holy apostles, including Paul himself. It's been revealed to the prophets. The mystery 
is now being unveiled. It's being revealed. It wasn't known in the Old Testament, but now it's known. And here is the mystery. It's defined in verse 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. The mystery is this, that the Jews and the Gentiles have now been brought into one new people. God is now working through this, this uh, called out uh, group of believers, this called out assembly, this, this ecclesia, the church. God is working through the church and the world now to make his, known, his ways known. God's working through the church. It was never known in the Old Testament. Maybe it was hinted at, right? Abraham, we knew that through his seed, that the, the nations would be blessed. And we knew uh, from a lot of the prophets that the Gentile would receive blessings, but it was never known that the Jews and the Gentiles would become one people in Christ, one group, one body, the church. Notice the enthusiasm in verse seven of this gospel. Gospel means good news. I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. Isn't it great that God gives grace as a gift? Next, which was given to me by the working of his power. Paul said, God's power is working through me. And the same power that worked through Paul is available to work in and through your life as well. He says, to me, though I'm very least of all the saints. Why would he describe himself as least of all the saints? Because he knows this about himself. He used to arrest and kill Christians. Matter of fact, he was on his way to the road to Damascus to arrest and kill Christians when Christ appeared to him and changed his life, changed his eternity, gave him a new mission in life. And you know what he gets to do? He gets to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Do you know that in Christ there are unsearchable riches? You, if you are a believer in Christ, are spiritually rich. At any time, you can go to your spiritual bank account and withdraw God's peace. You can withdraw God's comfort. You can withdraw God's joy at any moment because of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. And then he says this, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Now get this, verse 10, this is so cool. So through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Do you realize that the angels the heavenly beings look at the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost and, and, and the mission, the commission that was given to the church on the day of Christ's ascension. He says, I can't believe it. That's so amazing. God brought Jews and Gentiles together. So we're about to enter into the March Madness, right? And inevitably, there's going to be a game-winning basket. And what's going to happen? People are going to rise to the feet. Yeah, I can't believe that. It was a great shot. That's exactly what the angels did. They're just like, I can't believe it. Did you see what God did? That's absolutely amazing. He took Jews, he took Gentiles, he put them into one. Now he's working through these people. And you know what? The church is absolutely amazing. Christ said he would build his church and the gates of Hades would not prevail against it. For the last 2,000 years, God has been working through his church. There are believers gathered around the world today worshiping the risen Christ. 
the Mahaphale of Madagascar in 2009. None of them even knew Jesus. But now there are literally dozens of churches and the gospel is being spread and they're sending out missionaries. God's work is going on throughout the entire world. Last week, I had a chance to spend some time with Pastor Chuck, who used to be the associate pastor here at the church. And, and Chuck now is a pastor up in Greenville in a drug-infested neighborhood in Greenville. And he said that in the last year, there have been seven former drug addicts that have come to faith in Jesus Christ. You think about this campus today, this campus today, we're going to have a Portuguese-speaking congregation, a Spanish-speaking congregation, an American-speaking congregation right here in this, this church campus. It's absolutely amazing. God is working in the world through the church. By way of application, we need to treasure Christ's church. Do you know there's some people out there today that don't treasure the church of Christ? There's this movement afoot. It's called deconstructionism. It's a French philosophical movement. But basically, you know, they want to destroy the foundations of everything. But, you know, a lot of people publicly have been saying, well, I'm deconstructing my faith, and I don't really need the church. I just, I just need Jesus. Can I tell you something? I don't know what Jesus these people think they have, but the biblical Jesus treasures his church. The biblical Jesus loves his church and gave himself for his church. The biblical Jesus is the head of the church. The church is the body of Christ. He treasures his church and so should we. We need to plug in to Christ's church. We need to plug in. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us consider how to stimulate to one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as the habit of some, but encouraging one another. We're to gather, we're to plug in, to be involved. Let me encourage you that if you don't know what Northwood's about, to sign up for a Connect to Northwood class and you can figure out what God is doing through this local congregation. Maybe join a life connection group to connect with other believers or a discipleship group, but plug in to Christ church. Also, though, by way of action step, serve others in Christ church. We all know life is hard, right? Hebrews 3.13 says, encourage one another day after day as long as it's called today so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That's a stunning verse if you think about it. There seems to be a connection between us encouraging our fellow believers and them not being hardened by sin. Life is hard. It's easy to lose heart. We need to come alongside other people and serve them. We're told to bear one another's burdens. So, I mean, okay, fine, you can worship God on a golf course. You can worship God at the beach or out in the ocean. But you know what? where you're not at that time? You're not around other believers that you can serve. Next, let others serve you in Christ's church. There's gonna be some days when circumstances are overwhelming and you are tempted to just be discouraged and lose heart. Let other people come alongside of you. Linda fell a couple weeks ago and, um, you know, big deal, but it was so cool to have a meal provided by, you know, Buck and the Browning family. Chicken pot pie, by the way, very good from Costco. 
okay? But it was very encouraging, right? And, and so many people either wrote to Linda or reached out and said that they were praying for her and praying for us. And that just means so much. So uh, you guys don't remember and you guys don't remember, but a lot of you remember the 1984 Summer Olympics. So in the Los Angeles Coliseum, Mary Decker and Zola Budd, they were running, they collided. All of a sudden, Mary Decker ended up on the floor of the Los Angeles Coliseum, writhing in pain. And what did the other runners do? Kept on going, because that's the way the world works, right? You fall down, people, oh yeah, shouldn't have done that. But they're not going to be around for you. But then there was another Olympics. This Olympics took place in Philadelphia. The race started, the runners started running. They were in their lanes. They'd keep on running. All of a sudden, one of the runners fell down. Other runners took a couple more steps. Almost in unison, stopped. Turned around. Picked up the fallen runner. Joined arm in arm. And finished the race together. That wasn't no ordinary Olympics. That was the special Olympics. And that's a good picture of the church. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we're told to admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak. We need to go forward together in our faith. But Christ has revealed the mystery of the church, and it's yet another reason for us not to lose heart. Because the church is a gift to us. And ultimately, obviously, to God's glory. But third reason that we have not to lose heart today is Christ gives us access to the Father. Christ gives us access to the Father. Look at verses 11 and 12. This was according to the eternal purpose that he's realized in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purposes of God are fulfilled in Christ. The Old Testament points toward Christ. When Adam and Eve fell, the seed of the woman that would stomp Satan's head is Christ. Christ is the fulfillment of history. History truly is his story. And look what Christ has done for us. Verse 12, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Because of Christ, because it was finished on the cross, because our sins were paid in full, because he rose from the grave, now we have access to the Father. We don't have to go through the saints. We don't have to go through Mary. We don't have to go through religion. We just have to go through Christ. Jesus is the, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. But the great thing is we do have access to the Father. We don't have to, as Logan was talking about last week, we don't have to worry about the court of the Gentiles or the court of the women or whatever it may be. We have access to the God of the universe. Can I ask you something? If you were to call some TikTok star or, or, or some politician or famous person, you think they'd give you the time of day? No. But do you know that we can spend time with God through prayer? The God of the universe, the creator who created you and saved you, he wants to hear from you. He loves you. He wants you to talk to him through prayer. He invites us. Do you know what a privilege that is? We have access to the Father. Spend time with God through reading God's word. The Bible is given to us 
It reveals the truth about God. It reveals the truth about ourselves. It helps us grow in the Christian life. We have an opportunity every day to consume lots of different things. The media, social media, friends. One of the best things that we can consume, the best thing, is God's word. Each day, make it a plan to spend time with the Lord. There are Bible apps. There are devotional guides. I don't know, just open up the Bible and just read chapter by chapter, verse by verse, maybe a chapter a day, and maybe start with the New Testament if you haven't already done that. But spend time with God through reading God's word. But another action step here, repent of your sins and trust Christ alone for life eternal and abundant. So we've been talking about a lot of reasons not to lose heart. We've been talking about a lot of reasons today not to be discouraged. But can I tell you something? If you don't know Christ, you should be discouraged. If you don't know Christ, you should lose heart because this is the best it's ever gonna be if you die without Christ. Matter of fact, your eternal will be infinitely worse because you'll be separated from God in hell being tortured forever. Romans 8.28 does not apply to the unbeliever. Today is the day of salvation. Today, because the Christ gives us access to the Father, today is the day to turn from your sin and to turn toward Jesus for salvation. Whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on Jesus to save you. God is not interested in negotiating with you. He is interested in you surrendering to him. Christ doesn't want you to consider him today. He wants you to embrace him as savior today. That's what he wants. That's the opportunity that you have. You have access to the father through Christ. And by the way, if you're a believer in this room and you're trying to live life on your own and you're running away from God, knock it off, come to your senses Abundant life's only through Christ. It's only through Christ. There was a man years ago. He loved Jesus. He served Jesus. He pointed other people to Jesus. And he found himself in prison. And he started to lose heart. He started to get discouraged. And he sent some friends to Jesus. And they asked him, are you the expected one? Or should we look for someone else? And Jesus didn't condemn this person who's John the Baptist. He said, go and tell what you see and hear. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. I'm sure John heard that message And that was the message of encouragement he needed. He knew that because of Christ was indeed the Messiah, instead of losing heart, he had ultimate hope. You know, John the Baptist ended up being beheaded in prison. His circumstances actually got worse. And do you know that's okay? Because he went from his labor to his reward. Because for the believer, the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that should be revealed to us. 11 years ago, I was in a hospital room. I was with Linda. I was with my parents. 
And I was with my sister who was actively dying. My friend Roger Dobbins came to the room. He was our chaplain. And he made a remark that I had to think about. But he said this. He said, soon Tracy will be better off than everybody in this room. She died a few hours later. And do you know what? She's better off than everyone in this room. She knew Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Was I sad? Oh, yes, I'm still sad. But I don't have to lose heart because I have the hope of Christ. We all have the hope of Christ if we know Christ is our Savior. It makes the difference in time. It makes the difference in eternity. Christ gives us reasons not to lose hope. I'm going to ask the praise team to come forward. I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to have a time of invitation. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, through your word, we have seen that Christ gives us reasons not to lose heart. That the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory to be revealed to us. Lord, if there is a decision that needs to be made today, I pray that it will be made. I pray that we will not hesitate to obey you, to follow you, to submit to you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Perhaps you're out there this morning, and today for the first time, you realize that you did not have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. You were not sure of your eternal destiny. And you have repented of your sin and you've trusted in Christ alone for salvation. If you have done that, I would invite you to come and let us know about it. We'll help you take the next step in your journey. Some of you may be out there today. You are a follower of Christ. But you're not plugged in to a local church. This isn't the only church out there, but it's a good church. So we invite you to come and find out how you can unite with our church fellowship so you can serve others and have others serve you. Perhaps you're out there today and you are overwhelmed by the circumstances of life. You are discouraged and you feel like losing heart and you just want to come for prayer. Come. I'll be down front. We should have some people at the crosses. Other people come up and pray with you. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourself and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come, come right now.